In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 62nd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Today we're going to take a flight through the Julio Jones free zone. Well, not exactly. We're going to start off with some Julio talk and then we'll go through the flight free zone. You know, we uh, did an interview with Charlotte Station uh, early in the week. Got a lot of play on uh, uh, the national outlets. Uh, we'll uh, link that for you up in there. Just really, we're going to be talking about Julio for a while now and uh, just wanted to talk about it smartly. Uh, you know, and so that was a response to some of my questions, some of the questions from uh, my good friends in Charlotte, Bill Rosinski and uh, Molly and so forth. And, uh, you know, I go on their show all the time. Uh, up in Charlotte, go to Bobby A. Bear down in New Orleans, and you know I got my folks down in Tampa too as we move around the NFC South. So you know they got kind of they they I uh, said the situation was uh you know was in a bad place right now, and it is, and that the uh, team was uneasy with the Julio and Terrell situation uh, with those guys hanging out in training. Uh, certainly there's some benefits to it. You know, uh, Terrell, uh, I covered him when he broke into the league. He caught that big ball against Green Bay to, to end the, the first wave of their uh, resurgence, knocked them out of the playoffs, and uh, then came down to Atlanta and lost when Garrison Hurst got got hurt. But, uh, you know, certainly, uh, uh, you know, he learned the workout re- regiment from Jerry Rice. And certainly that's a positive he could pass to Julio. But, you know, his erratic behavior, the the bench lifting in Philly, throwing all his quarterbacks under the bus. You know, he wasn't the greatest teammate uh, and so forth. But, uh, you know, there's cause for concern there, too. But, uh, you know, so I just was answering questions from my folks in Charlotte and uh, just want to talk about Julio's situation smartly here as we're going to have a couple months uh, to do so. And our radio sports guys are, you know, I'm sure they're going to uh, go in on it. And, uh, you know, hopefully they just uh, do their research and work on it to talk about it smartly. Uh, you know, I'm sure that the cooler sides will prevail. They'll get something done. And we'll look back at this time here in the off season as, uh, you know, a blip in the screen as it moves on down the road. So that's number one. Now we're done with Julio. We're going to the flight-free Julio zone uh, for the rest of the 62nd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles. Let's review the training camp dates. They're out. Uh, the Falcons uh, have seven dates, the July the 27th, 28th, and 30th, August the 8th, or excuse me, August the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th with the 4th being Military Appreciation Day. Uh, the Falcons are kind of uh, in the middle here uh, with the um, you know public training camp dates. They only have seven. The, on the other end, the Minnesota Vikings have 18. So I don't know where the Falcons, they're counting the end of their training camp as uh, pretty much 
before they go into the exhibition game. And I think the other teams are opening it up uh, all the way through training camp, which is, you know, leads up to the exhibition season. They, I don't know why they do that. But the Chiefs have 15 open practices, double the Falcons. Uh, so if the Falcons, you believe the schedule, they only have 11 practices, but that they're not counting. They're not counting the ones uh, in between the exhibition games as uh, training camp practices when they are. Uh, I think that's the situation. The Chiefs 15, but you do have to pay five dollars parking, and then there is one where you do have to pay five dollars. Uh, you know, the Falcons uh, don't use theirs as a fundraiser. Looks like the Chiefs do. Now on the bottom, Falcons are on the bottom uh, end, but the Jets only have three. So, you know, they, uh, under Coach Bowles up there, he's, uh, you know, kind of a close to the vest guy. Uh, those three are, that's probably a league low. Wow, in Baltimore, they have 15. And they're coming back after having uh, uh, their practices closed because of a renovation. But another thing that's uh, important about the training camp dates is this is the second year in a row I found my old story about, uh, you know, the Falcons basically killed Friday Night Lights last year, and uh, they're not having it again this year. Uh, you know, they that goes back to 2006 when they're trying to build up some goodwill in the community and, um, you know, had a practice or a glorified scrimmage at uh, various high schools in the area. Started in Atlanta down at Grady and then ended up being just something closer to the facility. Uh, Grayson High, Gainesville, Brookwood, North Gwinnett uh, all hosted it. And, uh, you know, so that's one thing that's dead here under the new uh, regime. Coach Quinn doesn't, uh, you know, I think he has some control. But Friday Night Lights, maybe it ran its course. But I know the fans used to come out and turn out for that. And they enjoyed that a great deal. Third today, you know, we're going Julio Jones. I didn't give you a roadmap for today. We're going Julio Jones, flight free zone, training camp dates. Bucky Brooks on wide receivers around the league. That was on NFL.com. Uh, fishing with the Falcons. And then we're going to uh, do some uh, look at realistic expectations for Calvin Ridley. So moving on to Brooks here. He was uh, on, the, on the NFL Network and uh, – Rated the top three wide receiver cores, and the Falcons ended up in there. We put a blog up on AJC.com about it. And here, let's uh, see if we can get the audio up here right away. Joe Scorin says the best go. reside in Cleveland. Bucky Brooks, he begs to differ. He's with me now. It's time as we peruse his scout's notebook this week. He's breaking down his top wide receiving cores, three through one. So, Bucky, let's start at numero tres. Well, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers at number three. Okay. And part of the reason I'm going to go to Pittsburgh Steelers, anytime you have a combination of Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, two guys that can get it done on their own. But with A.B., you're talking about a dynamic playmaker, a guy that can take the top off the defense. He can do the intermediate things. He is also a fantastic catch-and-run specialist. And then in Juju Smith-Schuster, someone who will get a chance to go into the number two role, now that Martavis Bryant isn't there, his ability to make plays, the toughness that he shows going over the middle, he is someone that you have to be accounted for. I like where the Steelers are sitting at number three. Yeah, that bunch shouldn't miss a beat without Martavis Bryant. How about we move south now into the NFC? Who you have at number two, Buck? 
The Atlanta Falcons, the Dirty Birds, deserve to be up there. Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley coming in. They have everything that you can want. Austin Hooper also being a tight end. But really, it starts with Julio Jones. Julio Jones is a guy that can command a double team. He can still win with double team. But this guy, four straight seasons over 1,400 yards, does a great job of winning his one-on-ones. But Calvin Ridley coming over as their number three. You may have three guys that can go for 1,000 yards. I think the Atlanta Falcons are dangerous if Steve Sarkeesian can get it together. Yeah, triple threat down there for the Dirty Birds. And that leaves the top of the heap, the number one squad. Where are we going? I'm going to Minnesota. The Twin Cities, the reason that was the destination for Kirk Cousins, he looked at the Vikings, and he knows they have the best one-two punch in football. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, both guys are outstanding route runners, terrific hands. These are guys that can really interchange the number one role, and because you have a guy like Kyle Rudolph in the middle, a red zone weapon, 15 red zone touchdowns over the last three seasons, they have all the weapons that you need to be successful. Kirk Cousins knew what he was doing. He got the big check. But he also got an upgraded receiving core that should help him play well. There you go, Bucky Brooks saying the Falcons may have a shot at three thousand yard receivers. That would be uh, a remarkable year. Matt Ryan will be back in the hunt for uh, MVP. But one of the other key things there was uh, Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph, out of Cincinnati, uh, fifteen red zone touchdowns. Man. That's got to be comforting to the quarterback to know your tight end can get open in the red zone. Uh, I'm going to go back and look and see if Tony Tony G ever had 15 red zone touchdowns in two seasons. I'm sure he did. Uh, be good if Hooper can get a five to six or seven. I mean, that would be a, a major upgrade and certainly help the Falcons in one of their key areas, uh, the red zone operation. Uh, so the thousand yard receivers, yeah, I don't know about getting three of them, but I, the, I, my takeaway from Bookie's, uh, analysis there is the tight end. I'd like to see Hooper, uh, get, get, get going here and, uh, become a factor in the red zone. If he can't, uh, let's look at the Salbert kid out of Drake who, uh, had a great off season. Now, uh, one other thing, fishing with the Falcons, uh, you know, I guess you, I guess they want you to go to their website because uh, they didn't tell the media about it, and until uh, it was over with, and uh, it's kind of curious because it seems like uh, with the uh, you know military issues or alleged issues and, and, and uh, loyalty and so forth that the team would try to promote that one, but uh, they did not. We usually send a cameraman out there, uh, but with everything going on, I thought they would. Don't know. What happened there and why they didn't tell the local media about their fishing with the Falcons where they take military uh, soldiers out who've been uh, injured and go fishing with them on Lake Norman. And it's usually a great event, but uh, we, we didn't find out about it till it was over. And uh, so we couldn't bring anything on that. Now, number five, realistic outlook for Calvin Ridley. Okay, uh I don't put too much stock in off season when wide receivers look good. Just can't do that. Uh, need to see them in games and pro games against pro competition, not against backup D backs running around in shorts. So uh, over the last uh, five years, I went back and looked at the rookie receivers and looked at the rookie receivers um, to see who led the league and. Receiving yards and so forth. In uh, four to five years, there's at least been a thousand yard receiver. 2016, Michael Thomas, 1,137 and nine touchdowns, 92. 
receptions. That's been the best year of a rookie in the last five years. Uh, in 2013, Keenan Allen had 71 catches for 1,046 in, uh, yards and eight touchdowns. And then 2014, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, had 91 catches. Uh, he had the most yards in this group, 1,305 and 12 touchdowns. And then uh, in 2015, Amari Cooper had 72 for 1,070 yards and six touchdowns. Last year, didn't have a 1,000-yard uh, receiver from the rookie class as Juju Smith-Schuster had uh, 917 yards, uh, seven touchdowns on 58 catches. And then the Rams, Cooper Cup, surprised everybody uh, with 62 catches, 869 yards, and five touchdowns. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what really can do uh, out of the slot. Mostly that's where we all expect them to be, even though they worked him out outside. That's good uh, for in case something happens. But uh, DJ Moore from Carolina was the uh, top receiver picked at 24, played at played at Maryland. And then Calvin Ridley was uh, selected by the Falcons two picks later uh, at 26. So what's the realistic expectations for Calvin Ridley based on the uh, performances over the last five years? There has been a receiver to get over 1,004 of those. I mean, uh, of course, Beckham appears to be on his way. To superstardom, uh, Keenan Allen, I think there's been an injury in there. Amari was hot and then had a bad year. And Michael Thomas is off to a great start down in New Orleans in his career, too. So Juju Smith will move up in the Steelers rotation with uh, uh, Martavius Stanley gone now. So he he's also appears to be on his way to superstardom. So for today, that's it from the 62nd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Uh, we do address Julio starting off, look at the training camp dates, uh, Bucky Brooks's analysis of the top receivers in the NFL, the fishing with the Falcons, I don't know, just a breakdown there, I guess, and then uh, realistic expectations for Calvin Ridley. With that, we'd like to thank you for listening, and we appreciate you downloading and subscribing to the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Take care and have a great rest of the week. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.